All right. Uh, tonight, we're going to be starting in Numbers chapter 21. And uh, once I read this, you'll probably remember the story. Um, Jesus in the shadows in Numbers chapter 21. And it reads, Then they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom. But the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you led us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread or water, and we detest this wretched food. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and they bit them so that many Israelites died. The people then came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Intercede with the Lord so that he may take the snakes away from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake image and mount it on a pole. When anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. Whenever someone was bitten and he looked at the bronze snake, he recovered. Um, so this story is the story of the children of Israel in the wilderness. And they're wandering in the wilderness. And in verse 4, they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom. But the people became impatient because of the journey. They took a scenic route. Basically, they took a scenic route. They took a longer route than they could have because of the Edomites. There was an issue with the Edomites, and they didn't want to go and, um, and deal with the Edomites. So they took a roundabout way, um, and it was a longer route. And it caused the people to complain because it was, it was a longer route. And they said, um, the people spoke against um, Moses and God. Why have you led us from Egypt to die in the wilderness? And this was a common complaint of the people. They always said that. This was the seventh time that they complained about, about that. And the complaint was about the same thing all the time, food and water. All the time was about food and water. The same food and water that God used to preserve them for 40 years. And they were complaining about this over and over again. But God used that same food and water for 40 years to save them. They didn't die in the wilderness for 40 years. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you led us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread or water. And we detest this wretched food. Listen to that. They said we detest this wretched food, referring to the manna God sent every morning to feed them. They called it wretched food that God miraculously provided for them. We're sick of this wretched manna coming out of everywhere. Complaining over and over and over and over again. There's no bread or water, and we detest this wretched food. Then the Lord, the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and they bit them so that many Israelites died. Poisonous snakes. The complaint was so bad that God had to give them a little, a little taste of something. First of all, let's look at some of the complaints they had. Like I said, they complained seven times. I'm just going to look at a couple of the complaints they made um, in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 11. Then they set out from Mount Hor. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Then they set out from Mount Hor by the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom. But the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against Moses. That's one we just read, right? Okay. I want Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Do we have? Okay, that's it, but that's, that's the wrong verse. Let me just read it. Numbers chapter 11. It says, Now the people began complaining openly before the Lord about the hardship. When the Lord heard, his anger burned, and the fire from the Lord blazed among them and consumed the outskirts of the camp. 
Then the people cried out to Moses and he prayed to the Lord and fire came down so that the place was named Tabara because the Lord's fire had blazed among them. That was one of the complaints. Another one. Then the whole community broke out, broke into loud cries and the people wept that night. And all the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron. And the whole community told them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. Listen to that. If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. They said, we'd rather be dead. After all they went through in the land of Egypt and slavery, they said, we should have just died in, 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 in Egypt. If only we had died in this wilderness. Let's just die in this wilderness. We ain't going nowhere anyway. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? Why are they blaming God? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? Our wives and little children will become plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to slavery? That's what they said. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to... They forgot about the whippings in Egypt. They forgot about the hard labor having to build with no, with no straw. They forgot all about all of that. Let's go back to Egypt. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and go back to Egypt. Let's get rid of Moses and appoint somebody else who's going to take us back to Egypt. Wow. Chapter 20. The entire Israelite community entered the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and they settled in Kadesh. Miriam died and was buried there. There was no water for the community, so they assembled against Moses and Aaron. Again, against Moses and Aaron. The people quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the Lord's assembly into the wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? Same question. Why have you led us up from Egypt to bring us in this evil place? It's not a place of grain, figs, vines, and pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. <laughs> We can be so ungrateful sometimes. We can be so ungrateful after we know what God has brought us from. We can forget. That's why a lot of times the Bible says, remember, remember, remember. Because it's easier for us, for us to forget. And they spoke against Moses and God. They're speaking against God and his appointed leadership. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people and they bit them so that many Israelites died. Then the people, poisonous snakes, one of the, 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 uh, it's believed that the poisonous snakes that, um, that was used was called a carpet viper. Okay? Um, that was one of the, 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 the kind of snake that was used. And, and, and the bite had a fiery burning bite to it. They said some, some translations say fiery serpent. Some This is poisonous, but some of them say fiery serpent. And it, would, um, it had a, a bite, a burning bite to it. When it bit you, it burned. And it says that's what God sent uh, to, 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 to bite the people. We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Intercede with the Lord so that, the snakes, that he will take the snakes away from us. Snake images were very common in the Bronze Age, uh, which was from 3300 to 1200. Um, there was a reverence for serpent, Im for serpent images in those times. And we have a couple uh, like that. That's one of them. That's a serpent image. And I, don't, I don't like snakes, so we're going to go real quick. All right? Uh, there's another one. But those were the kind of images that were shown that during, during the Bronze Age during that time. Okay. Now, we have sinned against 
speaking against the Lord and against you. Intercede so that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. Now that now they're asking the one they complained against to intercede for him. First they were saying, Moses, why you did Moses? And then when consequences come, oh Moses, please pray for us, please pray. Ain't that how it is? You know, they, they scorn you at first, and then when they, when they get in trouble, uh, can, you, can you pray for my, for my grandmother? You know, she's in a hospital. You know. They were laughing at you last week. But now, and Moses interceded for the people. Notice that Moses didn't say, I ain't praying for you, ungrateful. That ain't what he said. He was acting like Christ in here. He prayed for those who despitefully used him. And he interceded for them over and over. Because so many times Moses went for the people. Rush, when, when people start acting stupid and stuff, Moses and Aaron would go for the people, rent their clothes and get on their knees and say, God, please don't kill them, God, please. Over and over again, God, Moses pleaded with God not to kill. Sometimes God would say, okay, listen, Moses, um, listen, I'm going to kill all of them. I'm going to start a new people with you. That's what God said that to Moses a couple of times. We're going to kill all of them. Just we're going to start over with you, Moses. And God said, Moses, no. These are, God said, Moses, these are your, Moses, God, these are your people. You can't do that. Moses would say to God, these are, what are people going to say if you did that, Lord? They're going to say that you weren't able to deliver. Moses would talk to God like that on behalf of the people. If you do that, God, how's that going to make you look? And God would change his mind and let the people live. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a snake image and mount it on a pole. When anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will recover. So God said, make an image and mount it on a pole. Uh, I got an image of it somewhere here. There it is. That's what kind of looked like. It was a pole that was hoisted up with with an image of a snake on it. And he said, anybody who looked at that would recover. Okay, we're going to look at that a little bit. We're going to break that down, all right? Make a snake image and mount it on a pole. When anyone who is bitten at it looks at it, and he will recover. Now, the wilderness was infected with these kind of serpents, by the way. They were infected. They were in the wilderness, and they were infected with these kind of serpents. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says, Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his command, the ordinances and the statutes I am giving you today. When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in and your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and your gold multiply and everything else you have increases, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Don't forget where you come from, people. Out of the place of slavery. Remember, you were slaves. Don't forget that. When, I'm, when, I'm, when, I'm, when you get to where I'm taking you, don't forget where you came from. Verse 15, he led you through the great and terrible wilderness with his poisonous snakes and scorpions. There it is right there. They were everywhere. He said, through the land with these poisonous, fiery snakes and scorpions, a thirsty land where there was no water. Like you're always complaining about, yeah, you're right, there was no water there. But did you go thirsty? He brought water out of the flint rock for you. God miraculously provided water for you. Remember that. He fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers had not known. Why? In order to humble and test you so that in the end, he might cause you to prosper, to humble you and test you so that in the, in the end, you might, he might cause you to prosper. That was God's motive. All right. God used the common tradition of the era to the serpents in a miraculous way to bring about healing to his people. He used something that was a common thing. Like I said, that was common. Uh, um, serpent images was common in, in, the, in the Bronze Era, amongst pagans in particular. But God used that 
to heal his people. But what happened? The people started to worship the thing that God used to deliver them, to the heal them. Second Kings chapter 18. In the third year of Israel's king Hosea of Elah, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, became king of Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king and reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He was a good king. Hezekiah was a good king. All right, there was a bunch of good kings and bad kings. Most of them were bad, but Hezekiah was one of the good ones in Judah. Verse four, he removed the high places, shattered the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asheroth poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses made. Why? For the Israelites burned incense to it up to that time. Wow. He called it Nehushtan. He broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses made, for the Israelites burned incense to it. They were burning incense to the, to the bronze altar, the snake that, that, that was used to heal them. Instead of worshiping, burning incense to God, they burned it to the, to, the, to the idol, to the image. Wow. The thing that God used to heal them, they turned into an idol. We got to be careful that we don't turn stuff into idols that God uses. We can turn a good thing into a bad thing. Turn a good thing into a God thing, and that's not a good thing. We see an example of this warning in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now I want you to know, brothers, this is Paul, that our fathers were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from a spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Okay, this is Paul talking to the the church. But God was not pleased with most of them, listen to this, for they were struck down in the wilderness. Now these things became examples for us. When we read it, he said, this is an example for us. These things became an example for us so that we will not desire evil things as they did. Now it gives gives a list of some of the things they did that we ought to not do. Don't become idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, that people sat down to eat and drink and got up to play. Wow. They sat down to eat and drink and got up to play. They had communion and then got up to play. They played church. They sat down to eat and drink and then got up to play. Verse 8. Let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in a single day, 23,000 people fell dead. Did you hear that? Let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And as a result, in a single day, 23,000 people fell dead. In one day, 23,000 people died because of their sexual sin. I think it's in the book of Numbers chapter 25 is what it's referencing. We don't realize how seriously God takes sexual sin. Mine and everybody else's. He's 23,000. Can you imagine if 23,000 people died in America in one day? That would be, that's, but in one day. Let us not test Christ as some of them did and were destroyed by snakes. There it is. They tested God. Where's the food in this wilderness? Where's the drink in this wilderness? Let us not test Christ as some of them did and were destroyed by snakes. What we just read in Numbers. Nor should we complain that some of them did and were killed by the destroyer. Always complaining. Ain't never happy. Now these things happen to them as examples. 
So when I read that, I'm supposed to say, okay, Eddie, don't do that. <laughs> okay, I do, okay, don't, don't, don't want to do that. I see what happened here. Okay, don't do that. As examples, and they were written as a warning to us on whom the end of the ages have come. So that story is an example to us. When anyone is bitten, looks at it, he will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted on a pole. Whenever someone was bitten at it, he, whenever someone was bitten and he looked at the bronze snake, he recovered. Notice they had to look at it. Okay, it was an act of the will. They had to look at the bronze snake. They couldn't just acknowledge that it was there. <laughs> when anybody looked at it, gazed upon it, they recovered from their, from their, from their bite. And it wasn't the image, the bronze image that healed them. It was them looking up to God. That was the point. Looking to God who was the healer who created the image for them to look at to heal them. It wasn't the image. See, they, they made an image out of it and that God didn't like that wasn't good. So it wasn't the, 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 the bronze image that healed them. It was God's power. So it had to look up to God. We always have to look to God for our answers. Okay, so this story in the Old Testament of the bronze serpent. Now, I forgot to give uh, uh, Chris this verse in the Gospel of John, so I'm going to have to read it. Now, we're going to go to the Gospel of John. If you have a Bible, you can just turn there since it's not going to be on the screen. But the Gospel of John, chapter, chapter 3, and I'm going to start reading in verse 10, verses 10 through 15, and I apologize for that. And this is Jesus talking to Nicodemus. And he says, are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? He's asking Jesus about how to be born again. What does that mean about all that kind of stuff? And Jesus, and I'm, I'm moving quickly. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied. You should, Nicodemus, you should know some of this stuff. You're a teacher of Israel. You should know these things. I assure you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I told you about things that happen on earth and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about things on he in heaven? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. He said, if I'm talking to you about earthly things, Nicodemus, you can't even grasp that. How are you going to understand if I tell you about spiritual things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. In other words, Jesus is the only one who can reveal heavenly things. He says, nobody's gone up to heaven to get this information from God, but I came from God. I'm the Son of Man. He said, I'm the only one who can reveal to you heavenly things. He said, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Did you hear that? So Jesus is himself personally pointing to the story in, in the numbers and, talk, and comparing it to himself. He said, just as Moses lifted, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, he says, so also I must be lifted up. And then he says, verse 15, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Everyone who believes in him. The lifting up is a reference to him being lifted up on the cross. That's what the lifting up is referring to. Him being lifted up in crucifixion on the cross. And then he says, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And he qualified that statement. He says, everybody who believes in him. So he's not talking about universalism, not apply to everybody, but only everybody who believes in him, everybody who looks at the cross. 
Just like, yeah, to look at the serpent, look up. Everybody who looks at once I'm lifted up, who believes in me, those are the ones who have eternal life. It doesn't apply to everybody. Now let's, and then he goes on to say um, in, in, in John 3, 16, that famous verse, for God loved the world in this way, he gave his only son so, so that everybody who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He qualifies it again. Everybody who believes in him, he keeps saying that, will have eternal life. So let's look at some comparisons here. So the first comparison we have with the story in the, in, in the book of Numbers is that death threatens as punishment for sin. They would have died if they didn't look at the serpent, they were going to die. Everybody who looked at the serpent recovered from their bite. Everybody who looks at Jesus for the salvation receives eternal life. Or you will die in your sins. We're going to look at that in a minute. Death threatens as a punishment for sin. Number two, God himself provides the remedy. God created the image of the serpent for them to be healed. God sent his son into the world so that we might be saved. God is the cure he was a cure for their physical sickness, and he's a cure for our sinful sickness. Death threatens as punishment for sin. God Himself provides a remedy. Number three, remedy is something that God that, remedy is something that is lifted up in public view. In the wilderness, the serpent was lifted up in public view for everybody to see. They had to look up. Jesus is lifted up. If I be lifted up from the earth. For everybody to see. And, and both of those are unlikely methods of cure. I mean, why would you, how would you cure somebody having them, by having them look at a serpent? Why don't you just touch them and just heal them, Lord? But he said, just look at the serpent. Because it, was all, it all goes back to, it's, it's one story. There was a reason for that. We're going we're gonna to see that in a minute. But that's an unlikely method of cure. I'm sure the children of Israel are like, What's, what I need to do? What? Also, the Bible talks about 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. For the Jews ask for signs, and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. When you think about how we're saved, people are like, That's, that doesn't make sense. Wait, somebody dying on a cross, and I believe in him, and I'm forgiven. He says, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews. The Jews could not fathom a, a suffering Savior. They didn't see that anywhere in the Old Testament. It was there. They didn't pick up on it. But it was all through there, but they didn't pick up on it. It was a stumbling block to them. Jesus was a stumbling block to the Jews. They didn't get him. <laughs> it's like, who is... And foolishness to the Gentiles. And this is stupidity to people who wanted not even Jews. It's like... Because they were all about wisdom, and this was, this was foolishness to them. An unlikely method of forgiveness. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks or Gentiles, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. See, to us, when we look at it, we're like, that's the power of God. When we look at the cross, that's the power of God and the wisdom of God. Who else will think of something like that? To us who are called, see, those who are called, that's a whole nother message, but those who are called, <laughs> both Jews, see, it's not foolishness to us. That's the place to us. That's God's power and God's wisdom because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. 
God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Find the wisest man you can find, and God's, and God's wisdom is wiser than that. All right, so both of them are unlikely methods of cure for either for your physical sickness or your sinful sickness. And number four, only those who look to that which is lifted up are healed. Only those who look to the cure will be cured or healed. Now, it says in, in, in the book of Numbers, it said um, the, the snake was mounted upon a pole. Okay, now that pole can be, that word pole can be transferred banner. Okay, or an ensign of the people. Uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, it says, on that day, this is a, a prophecy about future times. On that day, the root of Jesse, referring to Jesus, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner or a pole or an ensign for the people. He's talking about the cross. The nations will seek him and his resting place will be glorious. So it's a banner. When you look at, at, at Jesus, he was, like I said, he was lifting up. The Bible says um, in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, he bore our sins um, in, in his body on the tree. He was, he, was, he was nailed to a cross in the tree, and the cross was nailed to a tree, and a tree was held to that. Okay, so you see how that is? So, so uh, uh, the pole in the Old Testament signified the banner of Christ's uh, a cross. Same thing. And the inside of the people means... And the inside of the people is something around which people gather in unity of purpose or identity. So an inside of the people is something of which people gather around uh, in unity of purpose or their identity. So the cross of Christ is something that we as believers gather around and, it, and, and, we, and, and, and we, we are unified in purpose in the cross and also our identity is in Christ. So that's why uh, Galatians 3 talks about no Jew, no Greek, male, female, and it's talking about identity. Those things don't keep us from Christ. But at the same time, what I love about God is his diversity of people in the world. God loves diversity. But the thing is, the inside of, of, of us as Christians, the cross, when we gather around that, we're unified in purpose and also in our identity. So we are no longer uh, primarily find our identity in our race or anything else. Not my blackness, not your whiteness. Those are things that God granted. Those are, those are, that's the way God made us. They're good. But we don't find our ultimate identity in that first and foremost as believers. Our identity is in Christ first. And it's, and it's all around the cross. See, when we gather on the cross, I ain't black no more. You ain't white no more. You just a child of God a son of God, a daughter of God, primarily. And that's how we identify and relate to each other. Those other things are not nullified, not null and void, because you look at Revelation 7, when when John sees all kinds of people, he says, I see people from every tribe, nation, language, so obviously he sees color, because he wouldn't be able to say that. So he saw black people, he saw white people, he saw brown people, he saw yellow people. He says, from, I love that, he says, from every tribe, nation, language, and people. So God saves people from every ethnicity group in the world. I love that. So the cross is our ensign, our banner that we um, unify around as Christians. Only as Christians. All right. 
in John, lifting up always refers to the cross. Okay, and there's three lifting up sayings in John primarily that have double meaning. Okay, first of all, the meaning is refers to his death and resurrection, but also to his exaltation to glory as well as his resurrection. Acts chapter 2, God has resurrected this Jesus. This is, this is Peter uh, speaking on the day of Pentecost, that day when Peter preached one of the greatest sermons ever. 3,000 people got saved. This is the, the, the birth of the church, the beginning of the church. God has resurrected this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God, there it is. He's exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. He has poured out what you both see and hear. So he's exalted, it says, to the right hand of God. Jesus is. Acts chapter 5. God exalted this man to his right hand. The right hand is a symbol of power. Exalted Jesus to the right hand of his father, which is a position of power and authority. He exalted this man to his right hand as ruler and savior. Ruler and savior. All right? To grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. (laughs) to grant repentance. He's talking to Jews. That's why he said Israel. He's talking to Jews. He said to grant repentance to Israel, all you Jews, and forgiveness of sins. But he's exalted when he got lifted up in his death and resurrection also to glory. All right, let's look at some of these lifted up verses. John chapter 8. You are from below. This is Jesus talking. He says, you are from below, he told them. I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. He's making a distinction between himself and the people. He said, you are from, uh, from below, I'm from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore, I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. We're going to talk about that in a second. Who are you, they questioned. After saying that, they were like, who are you? You know, Jesus said some stuff that just blew their minds. They asked questions like, who do you think you are? When you say stuff like, if you don't believe that I'm here, you're going to die in your sins. Wait a minute, who, you, who are you? And then he says, precisely what I've been telling you from the very beginning. <laughs> he said, I've been telling you this from the get-go, who I was. He said, precisely what I've been telling you from the very beginning, Jesus told him. I have many things to say and to judge you and to judge about you. But the one who sent me is true, and what I have heard from him, these things I tell the world. They did not know he was speaking to them about the Father. They just didn't get it. And most of the time, they didn't. Most of the time, they didn't get nothing Jesus was saying about it. They, they were just, most of the time, they didn't. Uh, so Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man... Then you will know that I am he. When there it is, when you lift up the son of man, there they are lifting up again. When you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own. He says, before he said, uh, if you don't believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Then he says, after I'm been lifted up, you will know that I'm he. <laughs> he who? Who's he? Um, they will realize that he was their promised Messiah. Once he's after the cross, they're going to realize he really was who he said he was. They will realize that he is the Messiah, our Savior. But he said, you, he said after you've lifted me up, you'll realize it. You don't realize it now, but after that, 
you're going to say, okay, he, he, really, he was who he said he was. And then many believed after he said that. Uh, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own. But just as the Father taught me, I say these things. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what pleases him. He said, I always do what pleases him. What other person in the world has ever said that? And it was true. <laughs> he said, I always do what... He, he, he didn't say 95% of the time I do what my father says. 98% of the time I'm, I'm, I do it. He said, I always do what pleases him. Buddha can't say that. Muhammad can't say that. Hare Krishna can't say that. I can't say that. And you can't say that. But Jesus can say, I always do what pleases him. Jesus said some stuff that was just, in John chapter, I think it's chapter 12, he says, the wicked one is coming, he said, and he has nothing in me. I love that verse. He said, he's coming, he said, and he has nothing in me. He ain't got nothing on me. He can't hold nothing over my head. Wow. He said, the devil can't hold nothing over me. I can't say that. He got a whole bunch of stuff to hold over me. But Jesus, <laughs> he can't hold it no more because at the cross, all my sins were forgiven. But if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for the lifting up, <laughs> he could hold some stuff over me and you. But Jesus said, I always do what pleases him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. See, some folk, everybody said, okay. As he was saying these many, I believe this man. There's something about him. Many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. He says, if you continue in my word, you really are. He qualified that. You can't start and then stop. He said, no, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So when he said these things, there's a prophecy. When he says, uh, 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 when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am me. You'll, you'll realize who I was. Zechariah, Old Testament minor prophet, says this. Then I will pour out, this is God talking about future for, the, for Israel the future day of Israel. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem. And they will look at me whom they pierced. Remember that. They will look at me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for him as one weeps for a firstborn. Who's that talking about? On that day, the morning in Jerusalem will be as great as the morning of Hadad Remen in the plain of Megiddo. The land will mourn. The whole land will mourn. Every family by itself, the family of David's house by itself, and the women by themselves, the family of Nathan's house by itself, and their women by themselves, the family of Levi's house by itself, and their women by themselves, the family of Shimei by itself, and their women by themselves, all the remaining families, every family by itself, and their women by themselves will mourn over, he says, they will look at me whom they pierced. How do I know this is talking about Jesus? How do we know that? John chapter 19. 
Since it was the preparation day, Jesus, this is after Jesus' crucifixion, the Jews did not want the bodies to remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a special day, all right? They requested that Pilate have the men's legs broken and that their bodies be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other one who had been crucified with him, the two thieves on the cross, they broke their legs, all right? When they came to Jesus, they did not break his legs since they saw that he was already dead. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified so that you also may believe. His testimony is true. And he knows he's telling the truth. In other words, the one who saw this is telling the truth. He ain't lying. He said, I'm an eyewitness testimony. I saw this. He who saw this has testified so that you also may believe. So that you also may believe. Believe what I tell you I saw. Just like on the quarter, you know, there's, a, there's an eyewitness on the trial. He said, I was there. This is what happened. I saw it. That's, what, that's why they get called. Because they are an eyewitness testimony. That's the best testimony you can have. Somebody who was there and saw it. You want that person on the stand. And he's saying, he who saw this has testified so that you also may believe. His testimony is true and he knows he is telling the truth. For these things happen so that the scripture will be fulfilled. Listen, so that the scripture will be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. Psalm 34:20 prophesied about that. Not one of his bones will be broken. Also, another scripture says, they will look at the one they pierced. And they will look on him whom they pierced. Same one. Same one. That's why I know it's talking about Jesus. It says right here. Another scripture says, they will look at the one on whom they pierced. That, that prophecy in Zechariah is about Jesus. And what's interesting, he says, they will pour out a spirit of grace. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and mercy on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem. And they will look at me whom they pierced. Who's talking? God, the Father, God, who's talking? They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for him as one weeps for a firstborn. This is one of the proofs that Jesus is God. They will look on me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for him as one weeps for a firstborn. On me whom they pierced, Jesus says, they look on me whom they pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for him as one weeps for a firstborn. That's a day coming for Jews where they will weep about not accepting Jesus Christ as their Messiah. They will look at him and mourn over the one that was pierced on their behalf. And they refuse to believe him. There's a day coming where they will mourn. John chapter 12. Now my soul is troubled. Jesus talking again. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But that is why I came to this hour. This is right before he's getting ready to be crucified. He's saying, my soul is troubled. He's getting ready to die. Now this is... He's ready to be crucified. He knows what's ready to happen. He said, my soul is troubled. Even Jesus, the Son of God, was troubled by. That's why he said, Father, if this be possible for another way to save these people, can you do it? 
He said, my soul is troubled. He said, what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. Father, don't, don't let me die. Don't, don't find another way to save him, Lord. Don't, don't have me go to the cross. He said, is that, is that what I should say? He says, but that is why I came to this hour. I was born to die. I was born for this very purpose to come and die and be lifted up and hosted. That's why I came. I can't pray that prayer. I was born for this. That is why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name, exclamation point. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd, Jesus spoke, the Father answered. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said that an angel had spoken to him. So they didn't hear this voice, but they didn't know what it was. That was thunder, an angel spoke. They heard something. It was like, Jesus responded, this voice came not for me, but for you. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. He said, now is the judgment of this world. Uh, Some people believe, when I was reading and studying this, some believe that he's talking about condemnation of people who are not believers. Now is the judgment of this world. Another believes it's talking about restoration uh, when he he dies, the the, 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 uh, restoration of the world. What was, was originally intended will be restored. And I think both of those can apply. I don't know. Both of those can apply. Condemnation of non-believers and the restoration of the world. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. The cross represented Satan's defeat. The ruler of this world, Satan, will be cast out. The cross, Jesus being lifted up, was Satan's defeat, ultimate defeat. And the thing was, it looked like Jesus' defeat. It looked like, okay, and that's why the disciples was, were in such despair on Saturday. <laughs> you remember the story about the road, uh, the road uh, uh, Damascus Road, Emmaus Road, with the disciples in Luke 24. They was like, we was hoping he was the Messiah, but you know, it's been three, almost three days now, and he's still, it looked like the defeat of Jesus. Friday, he's crucified, buried. Saturday. And I often think about what was Saturday like for people? They saw what happened Friday. They know what Jesus said, you know, but Friday we saw what happened, and this is Saturday, and it's like, you know, that had to be the worst day for them. Because it's been hours, and he hasn't resurrected. But he said the third day, but they didn't, they, they didn't get it. They never got it. But I'm thinking about Saturday. It had to be a gloomy day, Saturday. It had to be a gloomy day. Um, it represented Satan's defeat. So Friday, Saturday, and then early Sunday morning, there was a rumbling, as old preachers used to say. <laughs> old, <laughs> old black Baptists used to say, but oh, early Sunday morning... <laughs> <laughs> I would get real Pentecostal on y'all, but I won't. All right. The cross represented Satan's defeat because the third day he rose from the dead. Isaiah chapter 52. See, my servant will act wisely. This is talking about Jesus. This is one of the servant songs in the Old Testament. And the book of Isaiah is referred to as the fifth gospel. 
you know, because it has a lot of the gospel in it, especially these chapter here, chapters 52 to 50, 54. Um, My servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up. There it is again. And greatly exalted. Prophecy about Jesus is all through the Old Testament. My servant, talking about Jesus, will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up great and greatly exalted. Just as many were appalled at you, his appearance was so disfigured that he did not look like a man. Jesus was beaten so badly, he was unrecognizable as a human being. It says he did not look like a man, and his form did not resemble a human being. Can you imagine? So he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths because of him, for they will see what had not been told them, and they will understand what they had not heard. When it's all said and done, they will see what had not been told them, and they will understand what had not been, what they had, what had not been heard. The cross, the lifting up of Jesus Christ, is the defeat of Satan. And we have to remember that. An unlikely way. I love this song by a group called For Him. Um, it was a popular group back in the 90s. But their Christmas album is one of my favorites. But there's a song on there called A Strange Way to Save the World. It's a be- if you find that song, listen to that song. And it talks about this is a strange way to save the world. They talk about how Joseph, I think of how it could have been. Joseph thinks about all this stuff. He had no idea. He said, Lord, she's just an ordinary girl. I'm just, a, I'm just an ordinary man. And you're going to use us to birth the Messiah. This is a strange way to save the world, Lord. Foolishness to the Gentiles, a stumbling block to the Jews. Because it was such a strange way to bring about salvation. But he said, my servant, he will be raised up and greatly exalted. Greatly exalted. John 18. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves. Otherwise, they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover because it was Jewish, at Jewish headquarters. They couldn't, couldn't go in uh, if they wanted to partake of the Passover. Then Pilate came out to them and said, what charge do you bring against this man? They answered him, if this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Listen to that. If he wasn't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Okay, whatever. So, verse 31. So Pilate told them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. Listen, it's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. And that was true. The Romans uh, took away the right of capital punishment to the Jews. They couldn't, they couldn't do that. They forbade, they forbade the Jews to carry out capital punishment. And, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me come back to that. It was not legal for them to do that. If they was going to, to, to administer capital punishment to Jesus, they charged him with blasphemy. The punishment of blasphemy was stoning by death, not crucifixion. They would have stoned him, not crucified him. Okay? So Pilate told them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. It is not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. They, sa- they said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled signifying what kind of death he was going to die. What did he say? He said, I must be lifted up. 
If I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men to me. Signifying what death he would die. Stoning doesn't require a lifting up. You just stoned him. So the reason, see, this goes back to God's, God, God being in control of everything from the beginning. It showed God's sovereign control over the whole course of history. His control over everything. Jesus had to go before Pilate and be crucified under Roman rule because their, their death penalty was crucifixion, not stoning. And Jesus said, I must be lifted up from the earth. I must be handed over to the Gentiles, killed, and rise on the third day. The Gentile Roman execution was, was, was crucifixion, so he had to be lifted up. If the Jews had done it, they just would have stoned him. So, throughout all of history, going all the way back to Numbers 21, and the lifting up of the serpent, it is a connection between Jesus' lifting up. So everything had to work out that way for the Romans to put him to, to, to death, not the Jews because the Jews would have only stoned him because that was, a that was the punishment for blasphemy, not crucifixion. Do you see what happened here? It showed God's sovereign hand throughout the whole time. Moses built a serpent, lift it up, look to the serpent. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus said, if you don't believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. I must be lifted up from the earth. I must be halted on a cross and nailed to a tree to fulfill prophecy. The Jews can't have the authority to do that because they would not have done that. So, turn them over to the Romans. We, it is not legal for us to put anyone to death. And they were right. God caused the Romans to take away the power of the death penalty from the Jews. I'm taking away that right from them so that my word might be fulfilled. Do you see what God has done here? But it goes back to Numbers 21, the connection between Jesus in the shadows and Numbers 21. He said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, remember that? He said, that was all about me. That all pointed to me. So as we get ready to take communion, Jesus in the shadow, he was in the shadow of Numbers 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a snake image and mount it on a pole. When anyone who is bitten looks at it, when anyone who looks to the cross for their salvation, for their spiritual healing, not their physical healing. When anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will recover. When anybody looks to Jesus, he will be saved. 
So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole, made a banner. Whenever someone was bitten, whenever you're bitten with sin from birth, we all are. And he looked at the bronze snake and you looked at Jesus, you'll recover. Jesus in the shadows of Numbers chapter 21. So we get ready to celebrate what Jesus did in fulfillment of Numbers chapter 21. We're going to sing a song, and then we're going to come back and partake of communion. Amen, amen, amen. All glory be to Christ. When you think about what God has done for us and how he was in control of all of history from Genesis to Revelation, and Jesus being lifted up on the cross, and we look to him to be healed of our sin and forgiven of our sins. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. And as we look to him, we recover from our sinful state. Sin no longer has power over us. It no longer has dominion over you, the Bible says. He says, reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and alive in Christ, all because of the lifting up. All because of the lifting up. So as we partake of the bread and wine, let us remember the sacrifice that was made on our behalf, how Jesus was lifted up on a cross and nailed to a tree so that we can look to him for our forgiveness of sins. So, Father, we thank you. We bless you for your plan of salvation from the foundation of the world. You planned this out perfectly from the foundation of the world, and you wrote it down for us, Lord, and we thank you. You gave us example after example in the Old Testament, and you brought it to fulfillment in the new. And for that, we say thank you. So as we partake of this broken body and shed blood symbolism, we glorify you and we thank you for Jesus being lifted up on our behalf. Let us partake. Again, Lord, we thank you. We're grateful for your perfect plan. Your wisdom, Lord, is beyond comprehension to us. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us that are being saved, it is the power of God. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your wisdom in the cross. Jesus Christ, who is the epitome of wisdom, in him are hidden all the, hidden, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him, your word says. Thank you. And our Lord, as we leave this place, but never your presence, give us traveling mercies. Bring us back at the appointed time. We'll give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.